on the boy in the right corner. Macy, top of the key. He's got daylight. Let's it go. Good. A 20-footer by Kyle Macy. Kentucky leads 4 to nothing. That is the legendary voice of Kaywood Lapford, a longtime radio play-by-play broadcaster for University of Kentucky football and men's basketball. Hello, I'm Gary Fogle, and welcome to Kentucky Sports Memories. Happy to have you join me. This is a show where I look back at memorable moments and memorable people in Kentucky sports history. So today, my topic is Kaywood Lapford. Mason gives it back to Anderson. He drives it to the basket, puts up a hook. It's good. Ties it up six all. Nice move by Dwight Anderson, the sophomore out of Dayton, Ohio. Thomas for Indiana's in offensive court. And Kay Wood was a play-by-play broadcaster for UK Sports for 39 years. And that number 39 is significant. Remember that number because a lot of people wondered, well, why didn't he make it an even 40? Why didn't he go even longer? Because he retired in his mid-60s while he was still in good health. Well, Ralph Hacker, who was his longtime broadcast partner, sort of explains that when I talk to him later on in this show in an interview. That'll be coming up just momentarily. So, again, keep that number in mind, 39, number of years Kaywood was the uh, play-by-play guy for UK sports. He began in 1953, and he uh, went through 1992. His last game, a lot of people don't remember, his last game was that game where Duke knocked off Kentucky where Christian Leitner hit that last second shot and uh, upset, well, it wasn't upset, it was uh, Kentucky was almost going to pull off the upset, but uh, Duke pulled out the win with that uh, shot by Christian Leitner and uh, they went on to the final four, heartbreaking loss for the Kentucky Wildcats and that was Kaywood's final game as a broadcaster for UK sports, 1953 to 1992. He uh, passed away in 2001 at the age of 75. He was born in Eastern Kentucky, born and raised there in Harlan County, Eastern Kentucky. And then he worked in Louisville at WHAS TV and radio while he was doing UK sports. Uh, Later he moved to, after he retired from WHAS, he moved to Lexington and continued to do his broadcast job uh, from there with the UK sports and then after retiring from broadcasting moved back to eastern Kentucky back home where he was born and raised so he made the full circle did K. Wood Ledford. One personal story on K. Wood I would like to share he shaped a big part of my life I was one of those people who listened to him call games on the radio when I was very young my father used to listen to Kaywood call games, and I would listen alongside my dad. Again, this was back before games were on TV, and the only chance you had of following the Wildcats was listening on the radio. And I remember one night, I remember it very distinctly. It was 1972. I was 10 years old. I was in the fourth grade at the time, and my dad and I were listening to a UK game on the radio. And during a break in the action, I recall asking my dad, what, is, what does Kaywood do for a living? And my dad said, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, he does these ball games on the radio, which as a 10-year-old kid, I assumed he just did those for the fun of it, that it was just like a hobby or something. So I said, he does these games on the radio. What, what does he do to get paid? What's his real job? And my dad said, well, this is his job. He gets paid to do this. And I thought, well, that's a great job. 
you get paid to go to ball games and talk about them. So that's when I first got the bug because I was a lover of sports anyway. I tried playing sports as a kid all, all through high school. I was never very good, but I love playing sports. I love watching sports. I love reading about sports and listening to sports. So I thought, well, why don't I go do that for a living? Why don't I get paid to go to ball games? So that's when I first got the interest in getting into sports broadcasting, and it, and it never went away. I uh, graduated high school, went on to the University of Kentucky, studied broadcasting there, worked for the campus radio station. I went on to graduate school at the University of Kansas, where I studied radio, television, and film, embarked on a 30-year uh, sports broadcasting career. I did some play-by-play -play during that time for both radio and television, but most of my work was in reporting and anchoring for uh, television doing sports stories, but still it, I kept my hand in sports broadcasting for all those years. And, and Kaywood was the reason. He was the reason I got an interest in the business. So he profoundly shaped my life. And I thought I would share that story with you. But many people grew up with Kaywood, listened to him, and whatever Kaywood said was gospel. Uh, many people laugh about the fact that um, he would often criticize the officials and they got a kick out of that. But uh, Kaywood even said that um, even though he criticized them, he tried to be fair. Might have been harsh at times, but he tried to be fair. But I think, obviously, and many people would agree, he was a little bit slanted <laughs> in his view of how the officials called the game. But anyway, uh, retired in 1992. And um, once he retired, as I mentioned, moved back to eastern Kentucky where he lived out his life passed away in 2001 at the age of 75. So coming up in just a moment, we're going to visit and have a conversation with Ralph Hacker, his longtime broadcast partner. So that's coming up. Please stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle, and this is Kentucky Sports Memories. I'll be back in a moment. Rebounded by LeVon Williams. Williams waits to Anderson to Macy. Macy up the right sideline, goes over to balance the floor, cuts it back to the sideline, drives to the baseline, whips it off to LeVon Williams, dumps Beautiful assist from Kyle Macy in Kentucky Leeds 8-6. Hello, I'm Krista Schaus with United Way of Central Kentucky here in Elizabethtown. I just want to stop for a moment tell everybody that if you're looking for help at this time, which for a lot of folks that can be food, it might be a, a bill payment, uh, you might need help with medicine, what you can do is you can call 211. That's just 211, and it's toll free, it's confidential. What they'll do is they'll ask you what your zip code is, and they'll try to navigate resources for you. If that does not work because 211 is not the be all end all of help, please reach out to the United Way office at 270 737 6608. We are working from home, but the phones are routed directly to our cell phones, and so we're able to look through our resource guides and try to help give you further direction. But your first call should be to 211, and if all else fails, once again, the United Way office at 270-737-6608. Thank you, be well. Comes in the 
Welcome back to Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle, happy to have you with me. And uh, tonight's topic is Kaywood Ledford, longtime broadcast voice for the University of Kentucky football and men's basketball. He did it for 39 years from 1953 to 1992. So wanted to talk to some people who knew Kaywood well, and I thought who better to start with than Ralph Hacker. Ralph was Kaywood's broadcast partner for 20 years on the radio. Uh, Ralph joined him in 1972 and was with him until Kaywood retired in 1992. So as I said, had a phone conversation with Ralph Hacker. Let's hear what he had to say. A lot of people said you fit together so well. You knew when to talk. You knew when not to talk. It just became automatic. Did you feel that way working alongside him? Yeah, uh, in a lot of ways we did. I see, I never wanted his job. That that wasn't my job. My job was if he left a blank of something that was important, I was to fill it in. Otherwise, I was supposed to keep my mouth shut. Uh, there were many nights we sitting there and listening to a, uh, I'd be listening to the basketball game sitting right next to him, and he was doing such a beautiful job. I may go, you know, 10 minutes sometimes and never say a word because there was no need to say it. He was describing everything that needed to be described. And sometimes I would just shut my eyes and sit there and listen to him so I could I could hear what the people out in Radio Land were listening to. So in some way, you were sort of amazed and mesmerized by his podcast as well. Oh, no question. How was Kay Wood to work with? Was he easygoing? Was he as easygoing as he sounded on the air? He was one of the funniest people that you've ever been around in your life. Uh, totally off the air. He would just keep you in stitches all the time, never telling a joke. I don't think I ever heard him tell a joke. Uh, <laughs> it just, he would just come off the wall with something that would just uh, just blank, you know, get you. You know, we were driving one time to Nashville, Tennessee, he and I and Tom Devine, who was our engineer, and uh, one other person, the guy named Jim Payne, up at Ellington, and out of boredom we started coming up with just song titles, you know, uh, that you'd never heard of. And Kayla said, you don't play? And he said, no, nah, I'll play that game. But we were about Bowling Green. And he said, who did up jump the turkey buzzard? <laughs> said, do what? He said, who did the song up jump the turkey buzzard? Well, of course, none of us knew. He called off somebody's name from Harlan County, Kentucky, and says, you all don't know crap about music. You know, and and one time we were driving to Nashville another time back when CB radios came in and I had a CB radio in my car. Now, you know, I didn't smoke and never did. And we had this new car and I did it in Lexington. And by the time we had gotten to Bowling Green, he'd already emptied the ashtray one time. We're starting on another one. And so we're down around old uh, northern part of Nashville up there uh, and where the the uh, I guess the Oscar Meyer plant was. They kept saying on the on the uh, CB radio, "There's a Smoky at a Weenie plant," and neither one of us knew what they were talking about. Finally, it got dawned on us, and for the rest of his life, he'd look over at me sometime during a ball game, you know, during a commercial, and he'd say, "There's a Smoky at the Weenie plant." <laughs> <laughs> you touched on the fact that he smoked. Caleb was pretty much a chain smoker. And um, I noticed it when I was around him derby time. Uh, and what I found interesting that I noticed anyway, he would smoke the cigarette like halfway, and that was as far as he smoked, and then he'd get another one. 
Oh, yeah. I never understood why he only smoked it halfway. I don't know why. I, I asked him that, and I don't think I ever got an answer. Uh, he smoked Benson Hedges. That was what he smoked. And he used this lighter that Francis had given him as a wedding gift, uh, which was a very, very expensive gold Cartier lighter. And uh, he carried that everywhere with him, and she always made sure that Kay would have plenty of cigarettes, you know, going to the ball game or wherever <laughs> we were going. Uh, she took care of him. She took totally care of his smoking. Do you think Kay Wood had a favorite Kentucky team or a favorite Kentucky player? Uh, if he did, he never expressed it. Uh, as far as as far as being a favorite team, I always felt maybe he liked uh, the Rupp's runs uh, as, as people and as uh, and as a team. But uh, he never got into that. He said, uh, you know, he'd say, you know, they were they were all Kentucky players. They were all Kentucky players. They're all Kentucky teams. And, uh, you know, he, if he named one, he may name 20, uh, 20 players. And he refused, uh, as I did in, in following years, I would never name a favorite player or would I pick eight or, or would I pick uh, my favorite players as a team. I'd always look at the person and say, will you do it by position, which is what he would do. And, he, and they would say, no, we want the favorite players. But in order to get the best player Kentucky has, you've got to do it by position. There's no way that you could compare Louis Dampier, you know, with, with Dan Issel. They were they were two different players. They were right. two different two different positions. And I think that's the way teams should be should be picked. And I think that's what he taught me was to do it that way. I'm going to ask you what may be a tough question. If you had to rank where Kaywood ranks in great Kentuckians, I mean, you've got Daniel Boone, you've got Happy Chandler, you've got Adolph Ruff. You've got all kinds of people. Where would he fall? <laughs> uh, there wouldn't be a – notable Kentuckians, uh, he, he would not be in that group that you just uh, that you just uh, answered, uh, that you just proposed there. He would be in with, with Harlan Sanders, John Y. Brown, uh, people like that, uh, Adolph Rupp. He would, he would be in that group because it's a different category of people. Uh, you know, he, he probably would be in with, uh, you know, the, the great writers with that in Kentucky, from Kentucky. Uh, and, and he would be embarrassed by that in a great many ways. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he'd be embarrassed by it. He'd say, nah, just doing my job, just just doing my job. And he did it. He just happened to do it better than anybody else around at that time. I remember you talked about, you touched on the fact that he was pretty humble. I remember at his visitation, it almost was like a circus. So many people were there. And I remember you saying then, Kaywood would not have liked this nah. because it's too big of a fanfare. Yeah, it, would, it was too much of a show for him. Uh, he, you know, he would he would have thought it nice that, that they write a nice note to, to Francis. He would have thought that. Uh, he, he would not have wanted people to, to have said all the things that they said about him and uh, to that. Uh, he, he was a pretty humble uh, Eastern Kentucky guy. Uh, he, he knew he was good. Uh, he knew he, he. I don't know if he knew how good he was, but he knew he was good, and he knew he was better than most, and he knew he was well liked. Uh, just there, there's so many funny stories, you know, that he would throw out when somebody would ask him about uh, about running for office and all this. And one of his great lines one time, and uh, some politician uh, asked him, said, "Would you consider running for office?" And, he looked at him as he blew smoke out and says, nah, 
They've already stolen everything there is to steal. <laughs> and, then, and then, and then somebody else asked him once about running. He said, "Nah, he says, the only job I want in politics is to be railroad commissioner of Harlan County, and, and that, that that sort of thing." So, did he know that he was he was well known? Yes. Did he know that he was well liked? Yes. Uh, did it embarrass him? Maybe not embarrassed him. It pleased him, but uh, he never he never played upon that. He didn't. He wasn't one of these guys. Even though he wrote four or five books uh, and he did a lot of shows and did things, uh, he never really profited off of his name uh, a great deal. And the only time that he ever really made a, a decent living was in the last few years of his life before he retired. Is that Jim Host put together the deal? Ralph Gabbard and I helped uh, helped uh, structure it. And he came to Lexington and left Louisville, came to Lexington, and he started his Kaywood's comments. He started the magazine, and he did all of those sort of things. He retired in, in 92 was his final year, and he was like 65 or 66, which is still somewhat young. I mean, a lot of broadcasters go a lot longer than that age. Do you – do you know why he wanted to get out then? Was was he was he burnt out? Was he tired? Was he not feeling well? Or did he just think this is the time to go? Well, his his official reason was Coach Ruff went forty years and nobody should go longer than that. I never knew that. That was that. Yeah, that was that was his official reason. He said Coach Ruff went forty years at Kentucky and, and nobody should go longer than that. And, and I think he truly believed that. He did not want to be the guy who stayed longer than Coach Ruff. He just didn't want to do that, even though he was he was pretty healthy at that particular time. Uh, he also had the fact that his his younger brother Jim had uh, had been injured in an automobile accident while working on a PhD down in at the University of Alabama and working at the Huntsville Space Station and going back and forth to Tuscaloosa he had an automobile accident a number of years earlier and suffered some some brain damage. His mother and dad lived in Kaywood, Kentucky, on the family farm up there. And Jim had lived with them. Well, both of them died. Jim came to Lexington to live with Kaywood and Francis. Jim never really felt comfortable living in Lexington. He couldn't get out and drive, which he could do down there in in, uh, Harlan County, and he knew his way around to get up to town in Harlan and and, and get back and do things like that. Kaywood... I really, in the bottom of my heart, I always felt that he and Francis quit and went to the mountains so they could take care of Jim. Uh, because the family, Kaywood, I guess, bought the bought the farm. I know he did. He bought the farm from his from Jim and from his sister. And he and Jim Payne from over in Owenton got into the miniature horse business. And he took all the horses that were 36 inches, and he took those down there to uh to uh, Harlem, where Jim could watch after those horses, and that was Jim's life, was watching after the horses. So I think it was, as much as anything, it was his wish to take care of his brother and make sure that he had a good life. That's pretty huge. I'd never heard that story. That's a first for me. And I'd never heard the uh, the story about not staying longer than rough. That's a first for me as well. Oh, so that, that's right. both interesting. Well, he he said that a lot around those of us who were close to him. Uh, it's and, and I, Kyle, I would, I would ask you, I, I don't know, hundreds of times. Look, don't don't quit, stay, stay. And he said, no, nobody should stay longer than Coach Rupp. Just be a flat statement, just like that. It wasn't any many great pronouncements. You know, there wasn't anybody writing a story about that. He wasn't looking for publicity on it. He just knew what he wanted to do. 
After he retired, you took over his play-by-play. Did you feel any pressure following him? Of course, of course. I mean, there was nobody. I never really, never really thought that I would that I would do that. To be honest with you, I really thought I'd go into into. I was doing work for CBS and for ESPN. I figured that's the route I'd end up going. You know, I never thought about that of taking over because uh, I knew nobody was going to do it. And Jim Host had said earlier at some speech one time, uh, I would want to be the guy who who Phil takes over for Kaywood, I want to be the guy who takes over for the guy who takes over for Kaywood. And that <laughs> right. was, you know, that was prophetic, you know, uh, prolific, you know, whatever. And, uh, and, and that's, that's the way it turned out is that uh, nobody was going to accept anybody. It didn't make any difference who it was. Uh, and I, and I knew that I knew that going in. So did you take some heat from fans and what have you, because you weren't Kaywood? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I bet it took a lot of heat. A tremendous amount of heat uh, because I wasn't Kaywood. You know, I did it my way as he did it his way. It was just two different styles. Uh, I wasn't so opinionated about officials, officials, things like that. I, I, I tried to paint a picture. I tried to paint a picture in my thought always, always. I did this from the time I started doing ball games at 15 years old. Is I wanted to do it so that a guy sitting at home with a radio who was blind could see what was happening at the ball game. I didn't care about some guy who sat there with his radio on, watching it on television, and, and listening to the listening to me do the game or Kay would do the game, uh, and watch the TV so he could critique us as he went. I wanted to be the guy who took care of the blind person. Let me back up just a little bit because you touched on it. You talked about Kaywood criticizing the officials. A lot of people found that humorous. Did you find it humorous back when he did that on occasion? Well, the first time he did it, and I was sitting there, it was the first year I worked with him, we were in the Memorial Coliseum, and I was sitting just to his right, down at the left side, left left uh, goal, which would have been you know, 50, 60 feet from us, something like that. Uh, something happened, and he just absolutely goes nuts about how the guy had missed this call, et cetera, et cetera. And he said to me, what did you think about it, Ralph? And I said, to be honest with you, Kaywood, it was too far away for me to see. He took a, he took a deep breath and said, Ralph the Lionhearted, 18 years my junior and no guts. <laughs> so <laughs> from the, I think that's where the statement, that's right, Kaywood came from. That's right after that. <laughs> Very good. Ralph, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right, Gay. Always nice to be with you. All right. You take care now. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. My conversation with Ralph Hacker, who for 20 years sat alongside Kaywood as his broadcast partner on the U.K. football and men's basketball radio network. Stay with me. When I come back, I'm going to talk with Tom Leach who is the current play-by-play broadcaster for UK Radio Sports. My conversation with Tom, that's coming up in just a moment. I'm Gary Fogle, and this is Kentucky Sports Memories. Minifield, back to Macy. Macy outside the keyhole. Minifield on the right side. Back out to Macy. Macy gives to Cowan. To LeVon Williams and close, lays it in, and he's fouled on the shot. Macklin got him, Kaywood, that's number four on him. When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, 
I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I, I want to be a bike that races around the when country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest when I trail. Grow up, I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be a... 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 When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle. Learn how at IWantToBeRecycled.org. A public service advertisement brought to you by Keep America Beautiful and the Ad Council. 92-88, Kentucky leading 10 seconds left. Back to Macy. Back to Roby. Roby down to James Lee. Lee driving with it. Goes under. Dump! 94-88. And there's the last shot. It is over. Kentucky wins it. 94-88. So after 20 years, the Kentucky Wildcats win the NCAA championship. 94-88 over the New Blue Devils. And James Lee with his patented dump shot. The voice of Kaywood Letford, longtime broadcaster for UK men's basketball and football. He's the topic of our show today, which is Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle, happy you are with us. And coming up in this segment, I'm going to talk with Tom Leach, because Tom Leach is the current play-by-play voice on the radio for UK athletics. Tom has been doing football since 1997 and he began doing basketball in 2001. He followed in the footsteps of Ralph Hacker, who followed in the footsteps of Kaywood Latford. So Tom Leach is uh, my uh, guest in this segment on Kentucky Sports Memories, and I began my conversation with Tom about uh, my experience as a kid. Tom and I are close to the same age, and I asked him if his situation was very much like mine and whether Kaywood had any influence on his decision to go into sports broadcasting. Yeah, I would have to say one one of the uh, major reasons. Uh, I grew up in Paris, so about 20 minutes north of Lexington. So I was a Kentucky fan and a Cincinnati Reds fan. And so I listened to Kay Wood and Ralph on the Kentucky game. And then I listened to Al Michaels and Joe Nuxall, and then later Marty Brenneman and Joe Nuxall. So I always I've told uh, – student groups I would talk to that um, I had the, the best training I think you could have had uh, listening to those kind of people growing up. So, yeah, I mean, Kaywood was uh, kind of, for me, the, the soundtrack of, of my uh, youth because I was always listening to Kentucky football, basketball games from uh, throughout basically every school year and, uh, you know, kind of fell in love with uh, that as a career path. And, you know, so Kaywood was the guy I listened to certainly more, probably more than anybody else. Kay Wood was beloved by the fans, people who listened to him, and uh, he is—he was really good, and I think we kind of took that for granted. But other than his longevity, what do you think it was that made him special, that made him have such a connection with the fan base? Well, number one, you have uh, a tremendous loyalty and passion among the Kentucky fans, and there weren't many games on television in those days, hardly ever a football game and a handful of basketball games. So everybody wanted to follow the Cats, and that was um, after 1968 when they went to one network. The only way to do it was to listen to the U.K. radio network. And so, um, you know, he was just – it was their 
for so many Kentuckians, their obviously favorite team. And so he was he was the guy telling them how it was going and was you know, outstanding at doing that. Uh, and I think, you know, he, he, you know, as he gained recognition for how good he was, uh, certainly Kentuckians took pride in that he was a Kentuckian uh, from uh, down in the Harlan area, and graduate of Center College and had worked in, you know, through the ranks in, in Louisville there at HAS for a long time and TV and TV and radio. So, um, you know, there was a pride factor there. He was, he was a Kentuckian too. And, um, you know, I think that was uh, a big part of it. He obviously wanted Kentucky to win. He wanted them to play well, but he didn't hold back when they were playing poorly. He did not hesitate to criticize the team and he, he would do it every now and then. And fans were okay with that. Absolutely. And he, you know, you, you certainly, it was really like a family member. I think Haywood was, you know, was part of the family um, for Kentucky fans. So they knew he wanted to see Kentucky win. And yet, so, you know, in a family, your, your brother or sister could probably say something to you that somebody else couldn't, couldn't get away with. Right. And so uh, they, they knew, uh, even if Kaywood, you know, said something about the team not playing well, uh, that uh, it wasn't because he was rooting for them not to play well. Um, so they were, uh, they appreciated certainly the honesty and, you know, I was fortunate enough as I was coming up to, to get Kaywood to, you know, to talk to him a few times, get him to critique some tapes for me. And, uh, you know, he told me, he said, if you're the, you're the announcer for a team, if you're the Kentucky announcer in, in this case, it's okay if fans know that you want the team to win, if that's the only team you're covering, but they should also expect you to, you know, give them the, the straight scoop on what is happening and if uh you know if the team is playing well it's not always the referee's fault or you know somebody else's fault uh you know sometimes it's because the other team is playing well sometimes you know the, the wildcats don't have it that night or certain players you know doesn't have it that night or he's struggling and so it's okay to to just you know be factual about that i always thought it was interesting that obviously you know being a play-by-play guy for radio you have to paint the picture. You have to describe and paint a picture in the listener's mind as to what you're seeing. And Kay would have this phrase where he would say, tonight Kentucky's moving to the left side of your radio dial or the right side of your radio dial. And, and I would laugh because my father would say, well, that makes no sense. If I'm sitting this way looking at the radio, they're going in this direction. If I'm sitting on the other side, that's you know, a dad. <laughs> he's just trying to paint a picture. That's what he's doing. Yeah. It's everything's just to kind of visualize uh, what you're, you know, to, to to help the people visualize what you're seeing when they can't see it. So, um, because you're using phrases in calling games like, you know, they're, uh, you're, here he comes to the near side or, you know, he's you know, running running toward us or, or whatever you might say. But if you kind of got that picture that they're going left to right, like, okay, well, it's going left to right and he's, you know, coming to me, then that means he's coming off to the right or, you know, uh, whatever it might be. But it's it's uh, just part of being everything you can do to make it more descriptive. And Kay Wood was uh, outstanding at, at doing that. Had a wonderful voice, too. I mean, um, you know, he just uh, the quality of his voice, great uh, cadence to his uh, delivery. Um, and, you know, some people, I tend to, I think I get uh, more excited doing a game than, than Kaywood did uh, and listening to some old Claude Sullivan tapes. I think Claude was maybe a little more that way. Uh, so I think you have to be somewhat true to – you have to be very – not just somewhat, you have to be very true to kind of what 
is, feels right for you as a broadcaster. But I know that in just because I grew up listening to Kaywood, that there are things I'm, I'll say that uh, you know uh, come from from him. Uh, you know, opening to a broadcast is uh, I think probably the same way K unfolds pretty much the same way Kaywood wrote it when he opened broadcasts or certain phrases. There was a phrase he used to use called another one was hold the phone. Like, you know, it was like a flag, you know, guy runs in for a 60 yard touchdown, hold the phone. There's a flag back at the 40 yard line. Uh, you know, little things like that. That'll, uh, uh, you you know, just kind of, you pick up on listening to somebody. So I'm sure I work some of that stuff in. And then I always kind of, uh, you know, I could I could have a little bracelet on that would say WWCD. What would K would do <laughs> when I'm thinking, trying to make a lot of decisions about how to how to handle something? You know, a lot of people don't remember his passion for thoroughbred racing and oh, his yeah. knowledge and his skill at uh, calling races. Yeah, uh, I was just actually uh, talking to Jim Host yesterday. We were talking a bit about. Uh, Kay Wood and uh, his phrase, and there you had a, pe- a patented phrase that Dave Johnson's down the stretch they come. Kay Wood was, here they come to me when they come into the stretch. Uh, they'd be up there in the booth. And, you know, they literally were coming at him when they come around that turn. Uh, but yeah, he loved uh, racing. He would always do TV specials every year in his later years after he left HAS. He was just doing the UK Network. He would still do a a special during Derby Week, and then I was always I would always see him when I would be there covering the races in you know, the eighties, uh, be on the backside during Derby Week, getting interviews. Should always uh, run into Kaywood at some point because he was out there doing the same thing. Had his cup of coffee and a little uh, beret on and uh, windbreaker and uh, making rounds. Of course, everybody knew him and everybody would talk to him, all the trainers and so forth. Yeah, it's funny uh, you bring that up because I was working in TV at the time at the WHAS, which is the station he was doing the show for. And one year, my first year, I think, when I started at HAS, they came to me and said, uh, would you like to be K-Wood's producer for this show and work with him on that week? And I went, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. And it, it was so funny that you mentioned every place we would go, people would stop what they were doing to talk to K-Wood. And, yeah. and when K-Wood would talk to Shug McGahey, it was difficult for Kaywood to talk horses because Shug wanted to talk UK basketball. <laughs> yes. Kaywood would try try to constantly get Shug back on the subject, and then Shug would change it back to UK basketball. It was almost like Shug was interviewing Kaywood instead of Kaywood interviewing Shug. But it was yeah, pretty that, funny. Yeah, but exactly right, because uh, everybody knew. Oh, there's Kaywood. You know, get the scoop on the cats. Yeah, it was pretty funny, but it was fun to work with him. He was he was great to work with, very friendly to me. He would ask my opinion on things. I'm going, oh my god, and, you know, twenty no. some year old guy, and he's asking my opinion on how we he's should do this. So uh, so classy. Uh, he's so great to me in terms of you know, as I look back, I was a you know young kid and uh, uh, thought I was a lot better than I was, and he was gracious enough to you know to give me critiques without uh, breaking my spirit. <laughs> I, I was a, I was a lot worse than I thought I was. <laughs> I listened to the tapes. My conversation with Tom Leach, the current play-by-play radio voice for Kentucky football and men's basketball. Again, he's been handling football since 1997 and men's basketball since 2001. My thanks to him for his time and conversation and insight 
on Kwood Lefter. Stay with me. Coming up, I will talk with uh, Dick Gabriel, who uh, worked with Kwood and now works with Tom, as he is the sideline reporter for UK football. And Dick has a really interesting story that relates to Kwood. I think you'll find I think you'll find it interesting, and I think you'll find it entertaining. And I'll also talk with a fan who grew up listening to K-Wood. All that and more in just a moment, so stay with me. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. Whitman pulls the trigger. It is bouncing off and rebounded by Verdugo. Gets it to Menafield, up to Anderson. Anderson swings by one man, drives under, lays it in. And he's fouled by Tolbert. Anderson jumps up and blocks it. Hello, I'm Krista Schaus with United Way of Central Kentucky here in Elizabethtown. I just want to stop for a moment, tell everybody that if you're looking for help at this time, which for a lot of folks that can be food, it might be a, a bill payment, uh, you might need help with medicine, what you can do is you can call 211. That's just 211, and it's toll free, it's confidential. What they'll do is they'll ask you what your zip code is and they'll try to navigate resources for you. If that does not work because 211 is not the be all end all of help, please reach out to the United Way office at 270-737-6608. We are working from home, but the phones are routed directly to our cell phones. And so we're able to look through our resource guides and try to help give you further direction. But your first call should be to 211 and if all else fails, once again, the United Way office at 270-737-6608. Thank you, be well. Scheibler puts down the dribble and goes way outside. Still dribbling. Now he breaks in toward the lane, gives it off to LeVon Williams. He's in close with a turnaround jumper. It is good. 40-39 as Kentucky goes one point ahead. That is Kaywood Ledford, a longtime play-by-play voice for UK football and men's basketball. He handled it for 39 years, from 1953 to 1992, and he is the subject of our show today on uh, Kentucky Sports Memories. I'm Gary Fogle. Thank you for joining us. Happy to have you with us. And as we move into this segment, we're going to talk with Dick Gabriel. Dick Gabriel is the sideline reporter for UK football, and Dick took on that assignment back in 1989. So for the first three years of his career, he worked alongside Kay Wood. For the last 28 years, he moved on to working with uh, Ralph Hacker and now Tom Leach, as he's still the sideline reporter for UK football. But anyway, my conversation on Kay Wood with Dick Gabriel. Well, to begin with, how much... Did you listen to Kaywood growing up? A lot, a lot. I grew up in Louisville, and I was a huge fan of both UK and U of L. And I remember you know, I had a paper route for four years, and I remember on Saturdays listening to Kaywood call football while I was delivering the afternoon newspaper. But I was one of those kids who would lay in bed at night, and you know my mom would tell me to turn the radio off. Okay. And then I'd, you know, get under the covers or whatever. So, you know, whenever I could, I would listen to Kaywood. And, uh, of course, basketball was a lot of fun. Football was a chore at times. But, you know, I was the never-ending optimist. This was the Saturday they were going to pull off a win, you know. So uh, 
but yeah, it was it was constant. And you and I grew up in an era when many of the games weren't on TV, as as the case for a lot of my listeners. And Kwood was your only connection to the games. Exactly right, and that's the case with so many uh, radio broadcasters. That's why so many of them, the classic guys, were uh, you know the the guys that we all just worshipped, you know, baseball, football, basketball, because that was your link. And they were so good at painting that picture. And you were, I think you were more emotionally involved because you were hanging on their words as opposed to sometimes audio on television turns into white noise. But with radio, everything he said, you had to process because that's what puts you at the ball game. So, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it sounds counterintuitive. In a lot of ways, it was more enjoyable to listen on the radio. I mean, you know, you'd never convince anybody of that case now. And I don't know that I'd want to go back to doing things that way. But I think the other thing, too, and I think this is more to what you're getting at, it, it enabled you to develop, kind of weird, but kind of a relationship with that announcer that you really don't get anymore. I agree. How You went into sports broadcasting, so how big of an influence was he on you deciding that being your career? Well, it was a dream. You know, like a lot of people, if you're not good enough to play sports at the highest level and you want to be around it, that's a way to do it. But I never thought I'd get the opportunity. I was training to be a sports writer, and I got into broadcasting quite by accident. I sat next to the campus radio station uh, at the press table when I was in college, and uh, they had a kid who was taping games. He wasn't very good, so they wouldn't put him on the air. And one day, it was just the station manager sitting there because the kid got so angry at him for not putting him on the air, he left. I said, aren't you doing the game tonight? He goes, well, I lost my announcer. And I just kind of said, you know, I've always wanted to try that. He goes, call me. So I did, and I auditioned, and I got the job. And the next thing you know, I'm not a writer. I'm a broadcaster. So suddenly, you know, there it was. I was able to uh, to to you know, kind of see a dream come true that I really never really dared to fully dream because I just never even thought about pursuing it. And I kind of fell into it. And then the next thing, you know, I'm added to the network and I'm working with Kaywood Ledford. So it just, it blew my mind the way it all happened. How was he to work with? Fantastic. Incredibly professional. And I'll tell you a story. As soon as I got the job, I was I was named the sidelines guy because the man who had been doing it got a got a better job and moved on. Um, I get a call from Kaywood's secretary. Hey, could you come by the office? Sure. Kaywood wants to talk to you. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go in there, and Jim Host, for the last few years, the producer and the rights holder, he had this idea where the sidelines man would call the field goals because he could plant himself right under the goalpost and he could see the ball going through the goalposts, and in theory, that was a good idea, but, you know, what if it's blocked or what if something happens? But anyhow, so they did it for a while. So I get called in there, and Kaywood welcomes me, and I knew Kaywood because I had actually interned at him for him at WHAS-TV over a Christmas break one year, so I knew Kaywood already. And uh, he asked me if it would be okay if he went back to calling the field goals and extra points. He didn't tell me, which he could have. He asked me, and what am I going to say? No, you know, I'm going to, no. I, well, of course, you know. And so from that point forward, 
they went back to doing it the old-fashioned way. So that just tells you a lot about Kaywood. But he was such a gracious, humble man, and yet proud of the work he was doing. You know, not egotistical, but and because he worked so hard, that was kind of an equation that added up to somebody that you you really cared about as a teammate and a mentor and just a good guy and a fellow Kentuckian. I want to ask you what might be a tough question, and I thought about this. How would you rank him as important Kentuckians of all time? That's a great question. I've never heard that question. Um, when you start sifting through history, he, if you if you created a Mount Rushmore of Kentucky basketball, you'd have to consider putting Kaywood Ledford on that on that statue because he brought it to the people. My thanks to Dick Gabriel, and he mentioned that Kaywood brought it to the people, and one of the people he brought it to was Larry Boone. Larry's a good friend of mine, and he's actually the person who gave me the idea to do this uh, subject of, on Kaywood Ledford for this uh, show. So my thanks to him for that. And I interviewed Larry and said, Larry, you're like a lot of people who grew up listening to Kaywood Ledford. How was he a part of your life? Uh, he was a big part of my childhood. I probably started uh, following the Cats in 67, 68, which I would have been around nine years old. And my first recollection of UK basketball would be the the group of uh, Dan Issel, Mike Pratt, Mike Casey, those guys, which was a you know a great time to come into that and start following the, the Cats. But uh, you know, Kaywood was just uh, somebody that you trusted. He felt like you're part of the family. I mean, he's from Kentucky, so he's Harlan, Kentucky born and Harlan Kentucky passed away and just just the way he told the story on the radio and just the uh, the passion he had for it and the clear picture he painted the picture so well that you know you could see the action you know, where the ball was going who was doing what uh, his observations were so clear were so concise but right on point and just everything about him you know, he just generated respect he was like a a beloved uncle or grandpa, just for me anyway. And uh, whenever they were on, I was tuning in WHAS, and generally I listened to him on an old <laughs> uh, green GE AM radio. And uh, that's all we had. My brother and I lived in the same bedroom, and you know we just uh, every game I caught, whether it was in the car trying to find the station with my dad, uh, just a big part of my life growing up from the time I was probably nine years old until you know he retired in '92. My thanks to Larry Boone for sharing his thoughts on Kaywood Lefford and also uh, for giving me the idea to do um, Kaywood as my topic for this show today. And my thanks to you for listening. Um, I would like to invite you, as always, to uh, reach out to me if you have story ideas for a show, something you think would be interesting to people throughout the state of Kentucky. You can go to my website, which is KentuckySportsMemories.com, and I have, first of all, on there, I have archives where you can listen to past uh, shows I've done. But I also have a contact page or contact 
section there where you can click on it and you can reach out to me via email or Twitter or Facebook or whatever and get in touch with me to give me story ideas. So again, thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Ralph Hacker, Tom Leach, Dick Gabriel, and Larry Boone for being a part of today's show on Kwood Leopard. And as we say goodbye, we'll listen to the last part of, K- of Kwood's last broadcast. It's uh, unfortunate for Wildcat fans that they lost that game, but it was his last broadcast. The end of the, the final minute of the Duke Kentucky game in 1992 NCAA tournament. We'll let Kay Wood take us out on that. Once again, thanks for tuning in. I'll be back next week with another show. Hope you'll tune in for that. I'm Gary Fogle. This is Kentucky Sports Memories. Comes into Woods. Woods with Hurley on him. Is on the move. Here he goes down to the paint. His shot is up. Good! Two seconds. John Woods it in off the glass 103 to 102 two seconds left and we've got a quick timeout and we're going to stay right here John Woods just took it drove into the paint tattooed it up on the board and back into the net and the Caps lead by one and Kentucky here's the long pass and Leitner's got it puts down a dribble turns with a jumper good When I grow up, I want to be a new pair of blue jeans. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's first computer. When I grow up, I want to be a glass countertop in a new home. When I grow up, I want to be a kid's best birthday present. When I grow up, I want to be a football stadium. When I grow up, I want to be a warm place on a cold day. When I grow up, I want to be a fancy backsplash. I want to be a bike that races around the country. When I grow up, I want to be a bench on a forest trail. When I grow up. I want to be a rocking chair on when a sunny porch. I want to be a skyscraper. I want to be. I want to be. I want to be. I want to be. When I grow up, I don't want to be a piece of garbage. And if you recycle me, I won't be. Give your garbage another life. Recycle.